TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. certainly had the tickets. Hopefully you found Paradise. R.I.P. Eddie Money. This is Scoop Podcast episode 255. First debuting on this Friday night, we inhabit the 1500 AM airwaves, Score North, scorenorth.com. Hopefully you have the Score North app. We are on every Friday night between 6 and 7 o'clock. The plan is to have Brian Robison, former Viking, on this podcast in just a bit. We'll catch up with Jarvis Johnson, Gophers basketball graduate assistant coach, plus a brief conversation with Chrissy Pohl, who is entering the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame in an induction ceremony coming up in December in Washington, D.C., plus some comments from Glenn Taylor, who was on this podcast earlier this week, plus Phil Mackey wants to stop by, so we'll catch up with Phil on all things Minnesota sports, or a lot of things Minnesota sports. But we begin with some notes before we get to Jarvis Johnson. In no particular order, there is optimism that Pat Elfline will play on Sunday. He missed some practice time this week with a knee injury. Now we could have the discussion, would it make more logical sense to put in Dakota Dozier even if Elfline is healthy? Or if Elfline is healthy, do you allow him to keep his starting job at left guard? My sense is the latter, that Elfline plays on Sunday. Vikings assistant general manager George Payton. Oh, by the way, a general manager whenever he wants to be. Somebody to know, if you're a Vikings fan, he's very much behind the scenes, but George Payton, whenever he wants to be, will be a general manager in this league. Any Anyway, he took to the road last weekend. He was in Iowa City to scout the Rutgers Iowa game. Keeping the scouting theme going tomorrow, TCF Bank Stadium, Gophers, Georgia Southern, the Kansas City Chiefs will have scouting representation. When talking about Gophers NFL draft prospects for next April, running back Rodney Smith, wide receiver Tyler Johnson, and linebackers Carter Coughlin and Kamal Martin. Former Gopher Brian Body Calhoun, the cornerback, is still searching for his next stop. He has worked out so far for the Eagles, the Vikings last Friday, the Arizona Cardinals, and Raiders. He played well last year for Cleveland in spurts. He was let go by Houston right before the regular season. Also last Friday, the Vikings worked out defensive backs Josh Jones and C.J. Rivas and defensive tackle Anthony Zettel. I hear the Vikings are also working on getting cornerback, former Alabama cornerback, Savon Smith in for a workout soon. They also had a defensive back in on Tuesday for a workout, Kavari Russell. Hopefully I'm saying that name right. Kavari Russell. All right, continuing the notes theme, the Twins had representation last Friday at an international free agents showcase in the eastern part of the Dominican Republic, Scout Luis Heron, twin scout Luis Heron, represented the organization at that one. Royce Lewis, the Twins' top prospect, and other Twins' prospects are already in Arizona for the Arizona Fall League. The first game is middle of next week. The Arizona Fall League starting a couple weeks earlier than in years past. Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, both guys should be back in the Twins' lineup in the coming days. I'm pre-recording this, so tonight's lineup may already be posted. All I know is both those guys are on the cusp of returning. Same goes for Jake Cave. Marwin Gonzalez is ramping up his swinging with that oblique injury. He needs to see Max Velocity at some point, but Marwin Gonzalez... Should be back relatively soon. On the Byron Buxton shoulder surgery, I'm told it went well. Unfortunately, it's a five. It's a legit five- to six-month recovery. So his status for opening day next year is very much in doubt. Some notes about the Washington Nationals, who won that series at Target Field this week. Patrick Corbin last night looked pretty good. I'm a fan of Patrick Corbin. Going back to last November, yes, there was a dialogue, a conversation with Corbin's agent, but the Twins were never really in on the free agent, Patrick Corbin. I would hope this winter that that changes, whether it's Garrett Cole, even if Cole ends up with the Angels, Steven Strasburg, if he opts out of the final few years of his Nationals deal, Ryu with the Dodgers, Wheeler with the Mets, there will be some starting pitchers available this winter. Hopefully the Twins are more in on those guys than they were in on Patrick Corbin. Juan Soto just had an unbelievable series, 21 years old for the Washington Nationals. The Twins, like many teams, were in on him 2015 international free agency. He was one of those top guys. Ended up signing with the Nationals for seven figures. The Twins, like about 20 other organizations, identified him. Knew he had a chance to be pretty good, but the Nationals were in on him 
very, very early. The way this works with these international free agents, because the Twins have signed a number of good ones, like Arise, like Gratterall, Snow. I mean, I guess in terms of a bidding war, Snow comes to mind. Max Kepler comes to mind. Jorge Polanco is another international free agent signing. Anyway, what these teams do is they establish relationships a good year to 18 months to 24 months before the actual signing period opens when these kids turn or they're eligible when they are 16 years old. I mean, oftentimes deals are struck with the trainers for these players when the players are like 14 years old. So in the case of the Nationals, they were in very, very early on Soto. And we saw the return of Fernando Rodney this week. The Twins did kick the tires on giving him a minor league contract when he popped free earlier this summer, but they really weren't all that seriously interested. Washington showed enough interest. It was an easy decision because, yeah, the Twins made the phone call, but they really didn't express like this outward, hey, we really, really want you back. It was an easy decision for him to sign with Washington, and I would say it has worked out pretty well for Rodney. On the Wolves, they made the news official that you heard right here on the podcast a couple weeks ago. The former Wolves big man Greg Steamsma is now on the staff. His official title is Player Development Associate, so he'll end up doing some on-the-court work and some behind-the-scenes video work. But congratulations to former Wolves big man, former Wisconsin Badger Greg Steamsma on getting hired full-time by the Wolves. The Wolves remain interested in giving Jordan Murphy, the former Gopher, an Exhibit 10 deal. There's also interest in giving Barry Brown Jr., the former Kansas State guard who played in the Vegas Summer League with the Wolves. There's some interest in giving him an Exhibit 10. Congratulations to Sean Livingston on one heck of a career. He announced his retirement earlier today. The reason I bring him up, the local connection is... Flip Saunders, the late Flip Saunders. I remember having a couple different conversations with Flip over the years about Sean Livingston, everything he overcame to get back on the court. Flip thought the world of Sean, and I know that Sean credits Flip for the time they spent together in Washington with the Wizards. I know that Sean credits Flip for his revival in so many different ways. So congratulations to Sean Livingston on one heck of a career. John Krasinski had the note first. It is true. Tyrone Wallace of the Wolves contains no guarantees with his contract for this year. Last year was a partial guarantee. This year, there's nothing guaranteed. So with the Wolves having 15 guaranteed contracts, Wallace is like the 16th player. It is going to be incredibly difficult, not impossible, but incredibly difficult for Tyrone Wallace to make the Wolves. Former Gopher Dupree McBrayer may end up in the G League draft, which is October 26th. He's been scrimmaging with some Knicks players the last few days. There is some hope that maybe the Knicks would give him an Exhibit 10 deal, but if not, there is a chance that he ends up in the G League draft in late October. It's another busy recruiting weekend for Richard Patino and the Gophers. He's got two four-star prospects on campus for official visits. Jamari Sibley, he's a forward from Milwaukee. He's playing his senior year at Oak Hill Academy, famed Oak Hill Academy, and a big man from an academy in Kentucky. Patino actually went down and saw this young man earlier this week. Now he's on campus for an official visit. His name is Jethro, last name, I have no idea how to pronounce it, M-U-S-C-A-D-I-N. Jethro, M-U-S-C-A-D-I-N, a big man. So a forward and a big man, two four-star prospects on official visits right now on the campus of the University of Minnesota. Also with another open recruiting period starting earlier this week, Richard Patino ended up spending some time or at least being in the gym for just about every local player that he has offered. Had an in-home visit last night with my guy from the Hopkins School District from Hopkins High School, Kerwin Walton. All right, let's get to Jarvis Johnson, former D. LaSalle star, former Gophers basketball player, although he never played for the Gophers because of a heart condition. The Gophers never gave him clearance to play. He is now on the Gophers coaching staff as a graduate assistant. Here is my recent conversation. Also, Chris Long, my colleague on the TV side from Channel 5, throws in some questions. He ended up shooting the video of this interview. So it's my conversation. It's Chris Long's conversation with Jarvis Johnson. Jarvis, just take us through the dynamics of how this came about. We saw you. You know, We were here for, for before you guys went to Italy. There was some media access, and we right. saw you hanging out with the team, but we weren't quite sure. Right. Just take us through how, how this came about. Um, so after the tournament was over last year, um, I had talked to Coach um, about getting a job here because I didn't know if I wanted to play or not um, after uh, the season was over. So I kind of talked to him and brought it to his attention, and I asked him, like, is there anything I could do um, to still be involved in the program? Um, and he was like, yeah, you could. You think about being a grad assistant? And then from there on, it was like, yeah, why not? What was that like, though, when you're wrestling with that decision? Okay, should I go pursue a job playing overseas, or should I stay here be a grad assistant? Um, I thought for the most part um, I was going to have to stop playing basketball someday. 
um, which would suck. Um, and then I thought, you know, why not start coaching now um, and get a good feel for the guys um, and just start my career early. What's that bond like that you've developed with Coach Patino? I mean, it seems like you guys are inseparable. Um, it's really cool, man. I can talk to him about anything, whether it's personal or about the team. Um, I can really get my inputs on like the team now, uh, which has always been good. Um, so I think we're we got a cool bond that's you know forever. I'd say. And did you lean on him a lot even over the last handful of years when, you know, I mean, maybe there was some uncertainty about, okay, might I get approved to play? Okay, I'm not going to be approved to play. But how much was he just a shoulder you could lean on? Oh, he's been a shoulder ever since I stepped on campus um, my freshman year. Um, he was always somebody I could talk to about anything. Like I said, um, he's been that, that like a big brother to me um, in some ways. But he's always been there. Um, I, I'm sure he'll be there forever. Was that hard when you were told, okay, just it's not going to happen here at the University of Minnesota. They're not going to approve you to play. Oh, it was most definitely some of the hardest days of my life. Um, just knowing that I grew up wanting to play here at the University of Minnesota. Um, other than that, um, he's always been somebody that, you know, like had my comfort, um, been there. Whether I didn't have my mom or sometimes some days, he was always there. Like even just a little text message, um, he would always respond. Um, just a phone call away. So it's, it's always been good to have him. Was there ever any point, you know, after freshman year, sophomore year, where you explored, okay, is there a different university that would approve me to play? Um, I, I sure thought about it, um, going to play somewhere else, but I thought, you know, this is always where I wanted to be. Um, and obviously basketball didn't work out, but to be a part of the team and, you know, those two tournament runs we had was always, like, memorable. So I've, I've always been okay with Well, I had to accept the fact that I was going to be here, but I definitely accepted it. Who did you lean on? outside of coach patino for just to comfort you and say okay you know it's, it's just it's not going to happen but hey i can still make something good of of my time here at the university of minnesota so i had um i came in with dupree and jordan murphy um so those two guys were like some of my best friends um obviously nate was um those are the, the older guys that i leaned on um i still talk to nate to this day and also the other guys what about okay so coach jarvis johnson right. tell us about what what coach jarvis johnson is going to be like uh, I'm not too sure yet. I don't know if I'm going to be a hard one, um, yell a lot. I'm, I'm not too sure yet. I think I'll be a, a calm coach. I mean, I'm trying to think, though. I mean, you played for Dave Thorson at DLSL. Right, right. I mean, certainly Richard is capable of raising his voice right. now and then, right? 100%. 100%. I'm not sure yet. I got I to gotta look into that. But, I mean, heck, I mean, there's a lot of good coaches you can lean on, too. I mean, I'm even thinking back to your pulley days, right? I mean, you played for some good coaches with pulley, into Dave Thorson, into right. Coach Patino. There's a lot of coaches you can draw from. Yeah, just a... I might get some from here, like each and every one of the other coaches, but I'm not too sure yet. I might yell a little bit. I, I, I like that route, that route, a yeller, a big yeller. <laughs> so graduate assistant role, is that just for one season? Is that multiple seasons? I mean, what's the plan, I guess, here, maybe over the next handful of years? Um, I'm not too sure yet. I thought about doing two years to get my master's degree. Um, somebody who's, always, who, who's also helped me was John Oliver. Um, he's a grad assistant here as well. Um, I've been talking to him and following his footsteps this far, so... This is going to take it year by year. What are the duties? Okay, so you guys practice later today. Right. Like, what's your job during practice? I mean, are you breaking down a lot of video? Just take us through a lot of the, um, lot of the duties. Yep, so right now um, I'm doing some film. Um, I'm helping with the guards, like, when we do, like, uh, post-guard work. Um, I'm able to pass and stuff. It's really cool, though, because it's stuff that um, I wasn't able to do technically, but um, it's really good to be involved with the guards, something I always want to do. So it's not too much. To, not too much stress in my body, but, you know, just enough. Where are things that just on, on the health front? Is everything good with, with the heart? Oh, everything's 100%, man. I'm doing just fine. I feel good. Um, same old me. And your personal doctor, I mean, is there still clearance? Like, if you want to play in Twin Cities Pro-Am, oh, yeah. or you want to do whatever, I mean, from a cardiovascular standpoint, can you just do whatever you want? Yeah, so my personal doctor has always cleared me to play. Um, so I do play in the Pro-Am still. I still get some open runs in. Um, I still lift when I can, so I'm I'm pretty good to go. Is there any thought at all of maybe pursuing a career overseas or, or playing at some point, even if it's three, four years from now? So I thought about um, after I get my master's going to play basketball overseas. Um, I really haven't put too much thought into it, but for sure something I've always thought about um, since I wasn't cleared to play here because I've loved basketball all my life, so for sure. Overstating to say the dream kind of changed. I mean, first it was play college basketball, then it was be involved in college basketball. Now, so dream kind of changing that maybe coaching is, is the new dream? Um, I would say the dream has changed um, a bit. Um, I do think coaching is something that I'd be like more than happy to do. 
my brother's a coach. Um, he just started coaching like little younger kids, so about sixth or seventh grade. So just to see that development and how um, a kid can grow so much is really cool, man. How's the relationship change with the players on the team where you're going from being a, a teammate to a, to a coach, basically? Um, it's changed a lot because some you got some guys who kind of joke about it, but they're all cool about it. You know, they respect me. Um, I was never disrespectful to any of the guys, even though I didn't play. Um, I joke around about them, uh, with them about being late to class because I got to do like class checks and stuff now. So I, I'm kind of the jokes. They're like, don't miss class. You better not be late on Mattel. But other than that, though, the guys respect me a lot. Gophers graduate assistant Jarvis Johnson, former star at D. La Salle High School. My conversation with him along with Chris Long from KSTP 5 Eyewitness Sports. When we come back, Phil Mackey will join the show. We'll get to Brian Robinson, former Viking, in just a bit. But Phil Mackey is next. Who is the better first-round matchup for the Twins? Is it the Yankees or the Astros? We dive into that in just a second. We are back. It is segment number two here of the Scoop Podcast, episode 255 on this Friday night. Joining us now, our next guest. For some reason, he thinks this is valuable real estate. I told him, hey, and this is going back now, what, like three and a half years. The Scoop Podcast has been on for three and a half years. I said, way back when, because he asked way back in April of 2016, hey, when can I come on the podcast? I said, hey, when you get engaged, you can come on the podcast. So here he is, freshly engaged. He is off the market. He is the brainchild of Score North. It is Phil Mackey. Hello. Uh, th- so this, I think this is my scoop. Well, it's my scoop podcast debut. The scoop segment originated on Mackey and Judd. It did, and then or actually, that, the curb. No, actually it originated on Judd and Fun, didn't it? Or Judd and Dubay. Or it Judd, or, been, I don't know. Judd's had so many co-hosts. Judd in the lamp years. in the corner. Judd in the. I don't remember. It's Judd in a fern. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did a long time ago. And Judd said, and hey, some Dukes. kitchen utensils. Yeah, and then you said, "Dukes, hey, we'll give you the six o'clock time slot on Friday night." But hey, you can't come on my radio show yeah. anymore. You kicked me to the curb, Phil. I feel like we already have nine voices on our show every single day. We'd love to. Maybe we can do if you're willing to do it live at six o'clock on Fridays. You can you can come in a little early and. Uh, but uh, that might be a lifestyle change for you. That would be a lifestyle change. Yeah. I like that you afford me the opportunity to actually pre-record this. So, all right, let's start with the twins. Let's do let's do an impromptu. Write this down or write it down. What what is it? Write it yeah, down. Yeah, uh, write that down. Write that down. Yeah. All right. Yes or no? The twins advance to the LCS. Can I say yes if they play the Yankees? Yes, if they play the Yankees in the DS round. I okay, think so I think they beat the Yankees. Yankees. All right, yeah. and as of right now, the Yankees and Astros are within like is it a game? They were. It was a half game two nights ago. I don't. I'd have to go look at the. I mean, they're neck and neck within a game of and each other. And the Astros have a favorable schedule. I don't have the exact schedules in front of me. I think the Yankees yeah. have some favorable games too. But I'm with you. I think they have a chance against the Yankees. If it's Houston, I think it's three games and done. It's going to be tough. Yeah the the Yankees don't have. Pitching? I mean, the Yankees. The Yankees have. I mean, you could say Paxton right now is is a little bit back on track, right? But He's dinged up though, a little dinged up. There's some concern there. I mean, they have a lot of injuries. I mean, Encarnacion might not. Up and down. Yeah, that's an oblique. Aaron Hicks looks like he needs Tommy John. Aaron Hicks likely out for the year. If the Twins have, if Nelson Cruz is in the lineup, um, if I think if Miguel Sanoza, if they have all the bats available to, they should. I'm concerned about CJ Crone. Crone will be in the lineup. But he told me, Phil, a few weeks ago in the clubhouse that the thumb will bother him the rest of the year, that the yeah. thumb won't be back to normal, that he can't drive the ball with the way the thumb feels right now. He won't be able to drive the ball like he's accustomed to until next year. So yeah. I think Crone will be in the lineup. But, I mean, look at the numbers since the first time he went on the injured list. He's been pedestrian. So, unfortunately, he's playing, but that's not the C.J. Crone that we yeah. know. But otherwise, I think even Marwin Gonzalez is back. He's ramping things up. He told me last Friday he thought it'd be like another week. I don't know if he's quite back this weekend. He still needs to build up a little bit in terms of, of swinging against velocity, but he's doing more and more. So I think Marwan Gonzalez is back for the postseason. So no, yes, Jake Cave is about back. Andreanza out for the rest of the regular season with that oblique injury, but we could debate whether Andreanza belongs on the postseason roster. You know, But I think of the main guys, if you're thinking you want Gonzalez in the outfield, Cruz at DH... You know, so you have Marwin in right, right? You'd have Kepler in center, Rosario in left. I think they can field 
outside of Buxton, obviously. I think they can field that main lineup, but the issue to me is Crone. See, the other the other interesting thing, too, is how can they get Mitch Garver in, if it's a five-game uh, ALDS series, can they get Mitch Garver in the lineup for all five potential games? Because right now, Nelson Cruz is your DH. You're not going to move him to a position, and you want him in the lineup. So Mitch Garver either has to catch every game or you have to put him at first base, and maybe because C.J. Crone's only operating at, what I don't know, 60 or 70% with that thumb, maybe C.J. Crone is a part-time player in a playoff series so that Mitch Garver can play at first base twice and catch the other three, or maybe he catches all five. Maybe you catch I him all like five the in the idea. postseason yeah, I mean, series. To me, it's logical to, to put Mitch Garver in the lineup for every single game. But help me with this. Why hasn't Garver played any first base? He's played, he he's played like one game at first it's base, been right? one, but I mean, to he, me, it should be more than that. He played corner outfield in the minor leagues, too, and he played mm-hmm. corner outfield with the Twins last year. You could make a case, the way Eddie Rosario has been flailing in the second half of the season, I know you'd be losing something defensively by taking him out of the outfield, but you could make a case to put Mitch Garver in one of your corner outfield spots, and I'll, and I'll go a step further. If you play the Yankees... I can't in a, go there. But if you play the Yankees in a playoff series, that's such a small patch of outfield to cover. You can get away with three subpar defenders in the outfield if you just want to load your lineup up and go for 12 runs, right? I mean, you're already... Think about this. You're already without Byron Buxton. And so if you think in that stadium you can put Max Kepler in center, or maybe you put Jake Cave in center because he's a better uh, ranging center fielder than Max Kepler, and you have Kepler in right and Mitch Garver in left, and Eddie Rosario is off the bench and maybe gets a chance to face a right-handed pitcher because he's just like... he is. This is as bad as Rosario has been over a two-month stretch in maybe three years. So I'm not I'm not just gonna put Eddie Rosario if I if I have to make a choice between um Eddie Rosario and Nelson Cruz or Eddie Rosario and Mitch Garver. Like I want Garver and Cruz in my lineup. And so if if Garver can catch all five games, awesome. It Why solves the problem. Okay, so game one is on a Friday night. If they play New York or it's a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Game two, Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. Day off. Day off Sunday. First game back here would be that Monday, whatever yeah. that Monday is, October 6th. So you have the day off. And then, I mean, if you're playing New York, right, those are primetime games. So you would have an entire day to recover. I, I guess I just don't understand why why Garver couldn't play every single yeah, just, game. just catch him every game. And I will say this, I'm not too. benching Rosario, though. I get it. The numbers speak for themselves. He's been bad for a stretch here. I can't do it. Are you trading him in the offseason? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm shopping him the in the offseason. They've shopped him before. They're not anti-trading him, but you're not getting a really good starting pitcher for Eddie Rosario. No. I'm sorry. The problem is like other teams are keen to the analytics and the low on base percentage and the the two month dry spells, right? But back to Yankees Twins for a second. Jose Barrios, if you are to believe his last start, and I would even throw in, so that Red Sox start, if you just look at the box score, it was five innings, six runs. He induced um, 12 swings and misses, though. I talked to Wes Johnson 16. in the clubhouse the other day about that. 16, I believe it was. I think it was 16 okay, swings. Okay, maybe it was more than 12. It was his second. It wasn't that many the other night against Washington, but if you look at swings and misses, that to me is the sign of a dominant pitcher, right? If you induce the batter yes. to swing and miss at your stuff. He did that. You said 16 against Boston. I know it was double digits. Wasn't that many the other night against Washington, but the results were there. So, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, he has to start game one, right? Is that what you're getting at? The Well, two things. The, the Boston game was, whatever the total was, it was his second most swings and misses in a start this season, and the results didn't just, just didn't play out the way that they normally would. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think he's kind of back now. I think these, those are two tough opponents. He's looked really good, um, he, really good against Washington and, and some underlying good things against Boston. If he's back, he's your number one starter. But... If Mike Pineda hadn't, if Mike Pineda had just checked with a Twins trainer, for God's sakes. By the way, cheap plug, Glenn Perkins on the Score North Twin Show on Thursday this week was mm-hmm. wonderful on that topic, and even uh, even got into like we got into the pine tar discussion about Michael Pineda too, and how he's always been kind of a corner cutter, obliviously or maliciously. We don't know. I think uh, it's but more cheap obliviously, plug. but it like it. He would he would have been my be, number one starter, by the way. He would have been mine too. It literally could not be any easier for these guys to check. Yes, whether it's with somebody that works for the team or Major League Baseball, there's a hotline. I mean, it is so easy. I don't think it was malicious. I, I don't. I just think it was pure stupidity. If it's like if it's your third cousin, if it's your buddy Vinny's third cousin who has some pills that are going to help you lose weight, just like check with check with a trainer. Okay, you're a millionaire. Check with a trainer. In the uh, we need we need like a uh, some sort of a 
I don't know, what do you call those, like, choose your own adventure, like a flow chart thing? We need a flow chart that says, okay, uh, did you talk to a major league trainer before you took the pill? If the answer is yes, you're good. Okay, like, thumbs up. If the answer is no, then, okay, go back to square one. Okay, talk to a major league trainer. Is it your cousin Vinny? If yes, go talk to a Twins trainer. <laughs> it's not that hard. No, it is It is really easy. It's the Scoop Podcast. We're talking with Phil Mackey. All right, so Barrios in Game 1. I don't know if I can go with Jake Odorizzi in Game 2. Fly ball tendencies. So if you're talking either that band box in Houston or Yankee Stadium, I think I feel better about Odorizzi back here at Target Field Okay. for Game 3. I know on the surface, if you just said, hey, who is the Twins' second-best starter? At this point, minus Pineda, I think you would say, yeah, you start Odorizzi game two. But are you with me or are you against me on Odorizzi pitching game three at Target Field, bigger ballpark? I just like, who start, who starts game two if it's not Odorizzi? Like Martin Perez, Kyle Gibson is a disaster I right don't now. Know. Well, who starts game three? They're going to bullpen two of these, aren't they? <laughs> Randy Randy Dobnak is just going to be <laughs> two innings to start every single game. I mean, I might game. be tempted on Smeltzer. Wow. Not wow. against the Yankees, though. I do, you know, I do feel like I would say uh, Smeltzer is not afraid of the moment. He, he strikes me as a guy, not that he's going to go out and shove for seven innings, but he, he doesn't strike me as a guy. Gibson strikes me as a guy throughout his career that gets really nervous and worked up in the moment. And even if it's a random Sunday game against the Royals and two guys get infield singles, it's like a huff and puff fest out there for him. And I, I he's a great guy, but... You know, he's 30 years old and just still gets super worked up against the Tigers, you know. Um, Smeltzer, and I could be proven to be wrong if he starts against Houston and gives up 11 earned runs or something, but Smeltzer feels like bring it on. Kind of a, kind of a bring it on type. I'm with you. I would, I would actually, I would, are... I would rather start Smeltzer in a playoff game than Kyle Gibson. How stretched out is Gratterall? Could you? Oh, man. I mean, I guess it would be a bullpen game, but could you at least. Um, is there any? I mean, I don't. I need to see more it, of him. But I guess just from our standpoint, I don't see the Twins doing this. The best. The best. Could you thing, make a case bullpen game, but see where Gratterall can take you by starting the game. That's a good question. I think the best case scenario here is if you can take two. If you can just kind of end the division this weekend by taking two or three from Cleveland, and thus feel more comfortable putting Gratterall out there against the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers, or however it plays out the next two weeks, if you can put Gratterall out there like four or five times in the next couple weeks against White Sox, maybe a game against Cleveland. You're probably not going to use him against Cleveland in a close game at this point based on what happened last time he took the mound. I want to find out, all right, is there something there this season for him? There's obviously something there long-term with Gratterall, but is there something there this season with him? And if you have to find that out against the Royals or the or the Tigers, even though those aren't the caliber of teams you're going to play in a postseason series, I would need to see like four more outings of him before I would answer that question about a, a a Yankee Stadium appearance or something. How do you look big picture at this year? I mean, they raised the bar with their play. I mean, think about early June, what we thought of this team. And now what we think of this team, right? The double kick in the gut, in the groin, right? With Pineda, with Buxton. We're going up and down the list, even though we think all these guys will be okay outside of Dan Crone. The thumb is going to bug him. He just can't pull the ball like he wants to. But they should have everybody else minus those two guys for game one of the ALDS. But think about it. I mean, early June, mid-June, maybe even late June, we were talking about home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs. And now, at best, they're staring at the three seed. Yeah, well, you know, there's... Okay, they have permission to still win a playoff series, even with all these injuries. There's been teams in Major League history. I mean, didn't the Indians have a ton of injuries the year that they went to Game 7 of the World Series in 2016, right? They lost uh, they lost starting pitchers. They lost Michael Brantley. I mean, they, they lost guys up and down. So I would say in order for this season, even with all the injuries, in order for this season to really stand out as something meaningful in Twins history... I think you have to do one of two things. I think you have to either set the home run record at the end of the year, set the home run record so that this is the team, much like the 98 Vikings. At least that will be remembered as at that snapshot in time, that was the greatest offense in NFL history, even though it ended in a fiery car crash, right? So either be the Major League home run team uh, record setters 
or beat the Yankees in a playoff series. If you can beat the Yankees in a playoff series or set the Major League home run record, I will feel great about this season for the Twins. Everything else would be gravy. I mean, think about the the demons you could exercise, right, by by beating the Yankees. But yeah. imagine if they beat you. And set and the capture, home run record. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real possibility. I mean, Mitch Garver hits the home run in Detroit, and it's celebration euphoria on that Saturday night. Then, like, snap of the fingers. Oh, by the way, the Yankees just surpassed the Twins. Yeah. Now, the Yankees have played, I think, two more games than the Twins. They have. So the uh, so the Twins do have some chances. How many did they hit last night? Twins well, get, the Yankees. Well, the Twins had they hit none last night, or what? What the heck was it? No, they hit, no, Cruz hit a home run like seventy feet Cruz over the batter's eye. Yeah, Nine thousand okay. feet to Mars. Yeah, deep center. Was okay. that the only home run last no, night? No, I was drunk. I was on White Claw last night. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a different discussion. Living the Claw life. The Yankees hit a bunch of home runs. That was a doubleheader against the lowly Tigers. Yeah, I mean, think about all the home runs the Twins have hit this year against the White Sox. I mean, I guess. These games remaining against the White Sox just hit a bunch of home runs like yeah. you have all year. Yeah. So, what do you think? Do you, uh, do you think there's a path to the? I'll, I'll give you my path to the Twins getting to the World Series. I, I don't think you can beat the Yankees and the Astros in back-to-back series with depleted pitching and no Byron Buxton. So, I think what Twins fans should root for is draw the Yankees. It's the Yankees. I I know fan, there's probably fans saying why why would you want to play the Yankees? The Yankees are the better draw. When you compare to Houston. It's one of two. It's not like you have ten options to choose from. I mean, it's Houston or New York. Yes. It's not changing at this point. And I'd rather the Twins play the Yankees. I think it's... Heck, if it's not universal, I think somebody needs to have their head checked. I really do. If you think you'd rather play Houston... Yes. I mean, explain that to me. Totally agree. That I don't understand at all. I think it has to be the Yankees. So you root... The the path would be... Because you know, you get into a five or a seven game series in baseball, and weird things happen. If you look at the last thirty years of World Series winners, only like seven had the best record in the in the regular season. Because it's just baseball is much more like hockey when you get to the postseason. In in basketball and football, if you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, like you're you're going to get to the conference championship game. If you have LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, you're going to win the championship. Not that simple in hockey and baseball. So there is. So your path is is sort of three pronged. One, get the Yankees in the first round. Mm-hmm. Agree. Two, let baseball be baseball, which is sometimes teams get hot or they steal a game in game one that they're not supposed to, and they win a series, right? So who needs to beat Houston then? And three is someone else has to beat Houston. Who is it though? Is it Oakland? Is it Tampa? Is it Cleveland? I think the be- I think the best kryptonite is probably the Indians because the Indians have great starting pitching. If the Indians can shut down that lineup well, for three Snell's games, now back, it actually might be Tampa. I actually think the Indians might be the most favorable matchup for the Twins. If we want to play this thing out, and it might take a miracle, but if we want to play this thing out, I think the Twins, of those three teams, in a best of seven, Indians, A's, and Tampa. Maybe I'm nuts on this one, but give me the Indians of those three. Okay. Because uh, the Indians... Tampa would be last on that list for me. Yeah. I would go Indians, then Oakland, then Tampa. But I'm, I'm looking at it more of who's more likely to beat Houston and just get them out of the equation. Okay, and that's then fair. And, then, yeah. and then you can just deal with whatever team you know pops up in that spot. And I would say Cleveland's pitching has the best mm. chance to shut down Houston. I might roll the dice if Snell is okay, and he rejoined the Rays today. If Blake Snell is okay, I might roll the dice on the Rays. Okay. Might do it. All right. And then, yeah, if they can beat Houston, now, heck, here's another discussion to be had. Are the Twins better off having more games on the road? They're a much better (laughs) road team. It is weird. But I guess, okay, ALCS, if the Twins as a three advance past the two, the Yankees, and, heck, the Yankees can still be the one, but in our perfect world scenario, right, Twins three seed beat the Yankees two seed, then you want the four seed, whoever it is, Tampa, Oakland, Cleveland, to beat Houston. You'd get games one and two in the ALCS right here at Target Field. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing that that stadium gets built in 2010, and the Twins had peak Joe Mauer, peak Justin Morneau, peak Denard Span. Uh, Liriano had a great 2010 season and was you know after the Tommy John surgery, and you had this you had some prospects that you were talking about like the Kevin Slowey you know group of prospects. Who would have thought if you go back nine years ago? If somebody would have told you, Dukes, as you sit here and you look at 40,000 fans right before first pitch of Game 1, Twins hosting the Yankees, whatever happens, like we'll see what happens, but this will be the last two postseason games at Target Field for almost a decade. I know. What would you have thought? That's crazy. Yeah, crazy. 
Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, heck, I would have told you we would have had more as soon as, I don't know, within two or three years, whether that would have been 2012, 2013. Yeah, I mean, I would have told you you're nuts, though, if you told me at 2010, then all of a sudden we need to wait until 2019. Yeah. All right, let me leave you with this. All right, the Vikings could trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Dolphins do everything defensive back. I mean, he literally did everything at Alabama. But I think his best position in the NFL is slot corner. He had the pick six last year at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Vikings. But the Vikings have to give up next year's first-round pick. Okay. But here's the catch. Mackenzie Alexander, free agent after the year. Yep. You let him walk. Maybe you bring back Trey Waynes, but you could let him walk, too. It's not like Fitzpatrick can't play outside. You're making a run this year, so you have him for the rest of this year. You've got the fifth-year option because he was a first-round pick last year. So two years. You get him for two years. You'd have him for three and a half years. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, last year was rookie year. Yeah. You'd have him for the rest of this year. Yes. I'm in. Then if you exercise the fifth-year option. Yeah. I'm in. And, you know, I mean, this is the Scoop Podcast. I can tell you there are fans of Fitzpatrick at TCO Performance Center. Now, whether they would give up next year's one, I'm not entirely sure of that. They should be, well, they've got they've got two years of Kirk Cousins in his prime, and they've committed to him. Whatever you think of him, they've committed to him, and he's one of the 15-ish best quarterbacks in the world, right? You've got a win-now defense based on ages of everyone, right? Based on Harrison Smith's age and Xavier Rhodes. Like, all of your key defensive players... Our, our late 20s for the most part, except for Daniil Hunter. There's probably a couple others. But, like, Griffin, um, this is this is a win-now defense, and your coach is in his mid-60s. So every, so everything about this team, and Thielen and Diggs, you know, Thielen uh, probably has two or three more years left of, of peak. Diggs Agreed. is a little bit younger. Well, look at the situation for next year. Like, okay, Alexander, free agent. Wayne's free agent. Yeah. Look at Rhodes' cap number for next year. Yeah. Based on performance, I mean, if Everson Griffin even comes close to playing like he did last week, he will be able to exercise on his own to hit the free agent market. And after he had to take a pay cut, there might be some of Everson with a little bit of a middle finger toward the Vikings saying, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I, you screwed me in March. I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much... So I, I'd what rather... I'm getting at is this might be your best opportunity when we're talking about the Super Bowl window. If they can stay healthy... This might be as good as it gets for a few years. So do you go all in on a move like that for Fitzpatrick? I, I love it. I would rather give up a first-round pick in two thousand this 2020 draft like you're talking about than a 2021 first-round pick because guess what that 2021 first-round pick could wind up being? A quarterback. If, you don't, if you're not in love with Kirk Cousins and you don't want to be shelling out $30-plus million for a league average-ish starting quarterback, you could go back to the drawing board in 2021 with a first-round draft pick quarterback. Well, plus so. there's, there's a good amount of uncertainty, right? Like, And I think there's uncertainty right now, but you might be able to say, you know what, our first-round pick next April will be in the 20s. That we should find a path to nine, maybe ten victories. It'll be in the 20s. You really don't know what next year will look like. I mean, what if you end up giving up pick nine in April of 2021? Yeah. Or pick 11 yeah. compared to pick 22 or pick 23 or pick 26. Yeah, I'm in. So is this is this going to is he going to get traded in the next I think he eventually gets traded. So. I don't know if Miami gets a 1. If they're looking for a 2, a team like the Raiders, I mean yeah. there's a lot of teams that could use Minka Fitzpatrick. The Vikings might be too low in the second round from Miami standpoint where they can do better. So if the Vikings want him, I think they'd have to give up their 1. Miami's hilarious. The two is too I love low. Miami. Just Miami has just said You know what though? I'm okay with that. Meteorocrity for for twenty something years. Yeah. I mean, since Dan Marino, you know, you pop up here, you pop up there. But it's been a lot of picking in the teens, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. Hit rock bottom. Go get Tua or the quarterback from Oregon, or whoever the quarterback is. But hit rock bottom. Accumulate all these picks, which they've done. They've got multiple firsts for the next couple of years. They've yeah. got twos. I mean, they've got all these draft picks. I actually like it. Yeah, it's hard to sell to the fan base, but I'm all about. I mean, if you're going to be eight and eight, just hit rock bottom, yeah. right? That's that's been my issue with the Wolves, right? I mean, even last year, I thought find a way, right? I mean, you have to trade up for Jared Culver, find a way to hit rock bottom and end up with a realistic chance. And and New Orleans won the lottery; they got lucky. But put yourself in the best position to land a top three pick. By the way, for another for another podcast. I'm buying Andrew Wiggins stock this season. That's right. This might shock you. I've been no, well, the leader of the anti-Andrew Wiggins bandwagon for four years now. 
I am buying Andrew Wiggins stock for this season. Not not like you know, yeah. well, not like the, the Willis Towers of uh, of stock. The but the bar's so low, though. You know me, though. I mean, I think for a while I've been the ultimate Wiggins apologist. I can't really apologize for what we saw last year, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bar is so low. Yeah, I would I would side with you that, right, that cool. I would buy stock. All right, thank you. All right, good stuff. All right, Brian Robinson is next. It's final segment time on this Friday the thirteenth Scoop Podcast episode two hundred and fifty five. One segment to go here on Score North scorenorth.com 1500 a.m on your conventional radio dials here in the twin cities metropolitan area i lied just based on time management i will get to my conversation with chrissy wendell chrissy pole married to johnny pole chrissy wendell chrissy pole you may remember her as chrissy wendell she's entering the u.s hockey hall of fame i'll get to my conversation with her from the other day in a future scoop podcast ran out of time to air it tonight also glenn taylor he was on episode 254 we previewed wednesday night's links game which the Lynx lost, but we talked big picture, whether it's Maya Moore's future, Sylvia Files' contract extension, plus we previewed Wolves training camps. If you want to hear from Glenn Taylor of the Wolves and the Lynx, check out Scoop Podcast episode 254. All right, let's wrap up this Scoop Podcast, catching up with former Viking Brian Robison. He was at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday for the Vikings' victory over Atlanta. B-Rob, looking back at last Sunday, you were there, I guess, from from your standpoint. I mean, in so many different ways, the, the Vikings dominated what could be a really good Atlanta team. I guess from your standpoint, B-Rob, being there at U.S. Bank Stadium, what stood out from your standpoint? Well, the way they opened the game and the way they came out with intensity uh, definitely stood out to me. Block a punt, set up for another score, offense punches it in, and then you come back out and do the same thing. Pretty much uh, another two or three series in a row, but you, before you know it, you're 21 nothing. And start fast like that, it'll help you in the, in the long run, no doubt. Let's talk about some individuals. Let's start with Daniil Hunter. What makes Daniil so good? I mean, he ended up with 10 pressures on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Daniil, you know, he's, he's those kids that just uh, physically, he's, he's a daunting task to take care of just because of his long, his quickness, and, you know, being 6'5, almost 6'6. Uh, you know, and having the speed that he does, it, it's hard for any tackle in this league to really try to be able to block him. But, um, you know, the thing that really set, to me sets Daniel apart is just his willingness to learn. Each and every day he comes in ready to work and, and ready to learn from whether it be the older guys, whether it be from watching film. You know, he's, he's truly been a student of the game, and, and I was able to see that in my time there with him as well. I mean, it's pretty frightening to think about that he's only, what, 24 years old. <laughs> Yeah, he's got. A, he's probably got a few more deals ahead of him. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a young kid. Uh, came in the league as, as pretty much a raw talent, and I think I think you know his best years are in front of him. You know, as long as he can stay healthy and he keeps doing what he does, he's going to be a superstar in the NFL. And I've been saying that since since pretty much day one when he got there. On Everson Griffin, I mean, you're aware, even though you weren't physically in the locker room last year, you're aware of. Of everything that he battled, he's in a good spot now mentally. Did you see shades of of the Everson that you played with two years ago on Sunday? Man, I did, I saw I saw a guy that um, that just still loves the game. I mean, just you know him yelling at me when I'm on the sidelines and stuff like that, just having fun. And that's the Everson that I always knew is just going out there having fun. And uh, I've had a lot of conversations with him. He seems like he's in a really good place. He's he's working very hard. At, um, at everything that he's doing and, and just trying to be the best man that he can be each and every day. And, and I think it's going to show on the field because, you know, when you when you have things going right off the field, it allows you to play with a clear head on the field. And I, I think that's what I saw Sunday. How much do you respect that friendship with Everson, B-Rob, that, that you can be a shoulder that, that he was able to lean on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, for me, for me, it was never about being a great football player uh, when I was there. Obviously, I wanted to be the best football player I could possibly be, but I wanted to be a, a, an even better person and, and a mentor for those guys and a guy that they felt, you know, was not only a teammate but but a brother, um, someone that they could confide in. And, and that was all my my guys, all my teammates, but especially more so with those guys in the D line room. So for me, you know, I, I always respected those guys. Kind of looked up to me and and thought that I was the type of guy that they could have those conversations with, whether it be about football or, or just life in general. And so um, definitely I, I love having that that you know relationship with those guys. We talk about Daniil being you know a physical beast freak. Anthony Barr is, is the same, right? I mean, first play of the game, he blitzes, he gets to Matt Ryan, he gets the sack. Are you curious to see 
You know how maybe Mike Zimmer uses Anthony differently this year? Yeah, you know, I am. I'm, I'm definitely interested to see uh, how things progress as the season moves along, too. I mean, I think anytime you start a season, you don't want to necessarily show your cards right off the bat, but you want to be- definitely get a fast start. And, and I think they did that on Sunday with uh, a, a lot of just basic stuff. So I'm interested to see how that how that progresses with not only him, but the whole defense as the season moves along. When you say basic stuff, I mean, I guess expound on that. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean, there was nothing like crazy that they threw at him. I mean, you know, you, you basically were bringing, you know, maybe a five guy, a fifth guy, uh, sometimes a sixth guy, but for the most part, I mean, it, it was it was only – you know, a, a one or two man blitz. And, you know, as the season moves along, there's going to be a lot more moving parts, a lot of different coverages, rotations, things like that. Uh, especially when teams start to get a feel for what you're doing and they start to game plan you more and more. Uh, for the first game out, I, I don't think they showed, uh, all their, all their cards. I definitely don't think they showed even close to their cards. So I think as it progresses, you're going to see more and more out of that defense. How much will they miss Mackenzie Alexander on Sunday? He's out with a dislocated elbow. I mean, anytime you lose a guy, you're, you're going to miss a guy. But, um, you know, I think they've got enough depth on that defense that, that guys will step up. I know the guys, but I don't really know the ins and outs of everything. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how uh, you know, whoever comes in behind him, how the, how they pick up. You know those Packers tackles. I mean, who is it? I mean, it's Bakhtiari. He's been there for a few years. I mean, more than that even. And Balaga, who's been there for, for seemingly forever. I mean, what – what stands out when you think about those Packers tackles that the Vikings will see on Sunday? Well, they're going to they're gonna try to stay in front of you. And by that, I mean they're just going to basically try to be in the way of you getting to Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, it, it's, they're very good at what they do, uh, which is allowing Aaron to pick and choose his gaps and where he wants to escape from and things like that. And they will make you pay if you get, you know, if you, if you rush around the edge too high, you know, they're going to make you pay by just running you by the quarterback and allowing Aaron to step up in the B-gap. My first, if you come under too quick, they're just going to try to wash you down and allow Aaron to roll out. So they got to be very, very conscious that those guys are literally just trying to stay in the way, trying to frustrate you as the game goes on, not letting you get to Aaron Rodgers. So what those guys need to do is make sure that you collapse the pocket, keep the pocket collapsing, getting on top of them, and eventually there comes a time where something's going to open up and if you play it smart, uh, you can take that and, and it'll hopefully pay off. But um, that's the main deal is making sure you keep Aaron in the, clock, the pocket and make sure that you're collapsing those guys on top of him. Aaron is Aaron. I mean, maybe not quite the same numbers the last couple of years as maybe, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you just laid it out, B-Rod, but Aaron Rodgers, just he always will present numerous problems. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's with his feet, whether it's, you know, his escapability to throw downfield, or even him understanding what kind of coverage you're in and just basically taping and getting 10, 15, you know, 20 yard gains, uh, he's always been very good at that. So you have to be very conscious of what he's seeing. Uh, be very conscious and make sure you're disguising your coverage and, and and then get early beat on those things because if he understands what's going on, uh, he's, he's definitely one of those guys that can pick you apart. B-Rub, you touched on just how special the, the defensive line meeting room is. The leader of that room, I suppose, is is the coach, right, Andre Patterson. What what makes Coach Patterson such a special individual, special coach? Yeah, I just I, I think he's one of those guys that makes sure that uh, that all his players are being able to concentrate on everything that they need to on the field and concentrating on football. And, uh, whether that's helping with off-the-field issues or any of that stuff that's going on, that's what I've always respected him. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL uh, and there's really nothing that anybody could say to me that they can think otherwise Retirement overall B-Rob is is treating you well, you touched on, on some of the YouTube work, I mean fishing is keeping you pretty busy? Fishing is keeping me busy Family's keeping me busy uh, I'm, I'm actually enjoying retirement very much I actually, you know, believe it or not I don't really even think about football a, a whole, whole lot uh, until I get around the game, you know, once I get around the game like Sunday or Last weekend when I went into the Hall of Honor at University of Texas, that's when I start to miss it. That's when I start to get the juices flowing and things like that. So, um, as long as I've been around with my family and I've just been enjoying them, I've been enjoying what I'm doing in the fishing industry as far as uh, getting my name out there and stuff like that. So I have. I've been enjoying retirement. On the Texas Hall of, of – what's it called? Hall of Honor, technically, not – not Hall of Fame, but, you know, we're getting into semantics there. I mean, it's pretty much the Hall of Fame, University of Texas. I mean, 
of all your accomplishments, all the honors throughout your playing career, I mean, where where does that rank? It's definitely pretty high up there. I mean, anything to do with my family, obviously, is going to take precedence over that stuff. But uh, as far as the sports uh, memories and things like that, I mean, it definitely ranks pretty high up there. I mean, anytime you can be at a prestigious university like the University of Texas and all the athletes that have come through there, and you're a part of that that mode and, and that type of company, uh, is definitely very, very special, and, and I hope one day maybe, you know, I can end up in the ring of honor in Minnesota, but I can only hope for that. But at the end of the day, I made it, you know, there at the University of Texas, and uh, it's definitely a very prestigious honor in my, in my opinion. I mean, whether you make it or not, I mean, to go from being a fourth-round pick to playing double-digit years and being able to do it in the same uniform, I mean, just how much pride do you take in that? I'll take a ton of pride. I mean, especially a, a team like we had uh, for the 11 years I was there. And, and not only that, uh, having such great tradition amongst the D-line group we had in Minnesota. And, you know, mentioned amongst those guys as far as career sacks and career games and, and other stuff. Um, you know, it definitely humbles you because it, it, it makes you understand how special it is and how hard it is to play 11 years not only in the NFL, but for one team. And uh, so I definitely take a lot of pride in that. The last game you played in, the NFC Championship game, the loss in Philadelphia, how much does that eat at you? A lot, man. I've actually, you know, we bought a new ranch here in Texas, and I've been unboxing stuff and, and just going through all the memories. And, you know, there's a lot of articles that I still have not read just because I, I haven't been able to get myself, you know, mentally ready to read some of this stuff. And the memories that I've been able to pull apart, and I actually pulled a pair of cleats out the other day and uh, they were fresh, still had the tags on them, everything. They were painted up by MASH Customs. And um, I was showing them to, you know, everybody around. I was like, you know what these are. And, of course, that's the cleats that I never get. Mm. Definitely it still eats at me. Uh, I wanted to be a part of something great, winning a Super Bowl championship. So that, um, that fan base deserves one, in my opinion. I think they're one of the best fan bases in the NFL not the best and hope at some point uh the guys that i know there will be able to get it done and bring a state bring a championship to that state b rob always great to catch up i know i speak for many when when we wish you and your family nothing but the best thank you very much man appreciate it that was former vikings defensive end he played 11 years in purple he's now officially retired that was brian robison apologies for his phone breaking up ever so slightly in different points of that conversation. He mentioned it. He just bought a new ranch in the middle of Texas. So he said cell phone service there can be touchy. If you missed that last answer, what he was alluding to was he went through some boxes the other day, you know, just moved into this new ranch, went through some boxes, found his cleats that he was going to wear in the Super Bowl if the Vikings had won that NFC Championship game, his last game as a Viking, that NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. All right, we are done. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 255. I always appreciate you listening. Have a great weekend, everyone.